Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. I'm Leslie Stewart, Convention Secretary, and it's a delight to welcome you to our ladies' event at Bangor Worldwide 2020. We hope you will enjoy our time together and be both encouraged and challenged by the three ladies sharing with us this afternoon. Our thanks also to Ruth Manning, who will lead us in praise. Our theme this year is to the ends of the earth, and these three ladies epitomise this. Evie Craig serves with OMF in Thailand, working with third culture kids. Nicola Hatton-Gamana works alongside her husband in Burundi, and Dr. Florence Muindi is the CEO of Life in Abundance, working in Africa and the Caribbean. So I hope you're all sitting comfortably with a cup of tea or coffee and maybe a tasty tray bake, and let's commit our time to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, even in the midst of a global pandemic, to hear from Evie, Nicola and Florence about what you are doing in their lives and the countries they work in. All of us have a story to tell of your faithfulness and love. May what we hear today help us to be bolder witnesses of your good news. In Jesus' name, Amen.
just to be able to join with you today and to be able to share something about God's faithfulness uh, over these past uh, almost six years of serving a wonderful people group known as TCK's uh, Third Culture Kids in East Asia. What a privilege it has been and what a wonderful amazing journey it has been uh, over these years just to see how God has been faithful, even in what has been such a transient, such a changing world around us. This is something that is not something that is unusual for our TCKs because they endeavor and encounter change and transition in their lives every year, sometimes more times in a year, not only just once a year, sometimes twice or maybe three times, maybe even four times even in a year that there is change uh, within their family unit. Such a privilege it is uh, to be part of a support services team and to be able to uh, come alongside uh, this wonderful people group, TCKs. When I think about uh, TCKs uh, within our area, I think about uh, those uh, that have such smiles, such wonderful senses of humor, um, just such stories to tell, and so many lessons that I can even personally learn uh, from each of those children that I encounter at various trainings or conferences. When I think about this people group, um, I have such joy in my heart. When I think about even looking back on my short-term experience all those years ago and being able to uh, come alongside uh, some of those TCKs at that uh, conference and seeing how they have even developed and grown, even some eight-year-olds that I would have got to know uh, during that time that who were in my small group during that period of time that are now in their teens, to see them growing in their faith and their knowledge of the Lord Jesus. What a wonderful journey of faith that they have encountered and just it's been wonderful to be able to see them particularly grow and to be able to see them also coming alongside even their younger siblings and helping them grow too in their faith 
and other friends as well to encourage them in their journey. When I think about our area, there are 221 uh, TCKs that come from various uh, countries, their passport countries are from, made up of many different uh, nationalities. As a whole, our organisation has 858 TCKs uh, that were counted just recently. When we think about uh, this number of TCKs, again, so many countries, so many nationalities that are made up, so many different family units that are made up in different nationalities. Sometimes their passports are not even the same. Sometimes parents have different passports. This sometimes can be a little bit complex for our TCKs. When we think about third culture kids, it's a merging of cultures together. We think about passport culture, we think about host culture, and a merging of the two together, making the third culture. But sometimes there's also that fourth or fifth culture that is intertwined in that. But again, there is so much transient opportunities and things that are going on within RTCK's life. But again, there is like, when we think about conference time, for instance, or those training events, when TCKs come together, that they gravitate to one another, even if they have been growing up in different countries, they just seem to be aware of one another's experience. There are shared experiences. Again, when they encounter new people, sometimes there's the thought, how much time will I invest in getting to know that new person? How long are they going to be there? Is it worth the time? Is it worth the effort? Is there going to be an, just another goodbye? What's the point? So much grief, so much loss. What do I pack if I have to move to another place? What do I have to leave behind? There are so many questions, so many more questions our TCKs have to encounter. When I think about uh, TCKs, I think about how uh, they just be able to be very um, aware of what is around them. They're aware of like even the smells around them, even the tasting of different foods, the encountering of different languages. They are like little um, sponges that just absorb so much around them. There is so much richness, but there is so much that they have to encounter that sometimes they just well up with so much information that they just don't know what to do with it. There is so much that we can pray for TCKs and prayer is one of those things that really stands out to me uh, when I think about TCKs and how we can pray for TCKs. How can we come alongside them? How can we encourage them to know that they can have a living and active relationship with a living God 
who loves them and cares for them. Just like the song that we sometimes would sing, maybe with our kids in a, in a Sunday school environment or maybe in our church, that we are part of the big family of God. That no matter whether we're big or small, no matter whether we like pink or blue, no matter whether we like books or we like watching a movie, God cares about every little detail of our lives and that he wants us to know that he does care for us no matter what culture no matter what country we come from that he does have a plan he does have a purpose for each and every one of us and that is something that we do encourage each of our tck's to know that god has a perfect plan and a perfect purpose for each one of their lives let me just tell you some stories that I really, I could think of so many stories that I could share with you today uh, about um, my experiences uh, with TCKs over these years uh, that I have worked with them. Now the first one that comes to mind was actually just in my first term. It was one of the very first programs uh, that I was uh, involved with and uh, there was a very very small group of kids uh, that I was working with and uh, we were doing a fishy thing and uh, we were making uh, different craft items and we were doing a story on Jonah like the reluctant missionary and uh, we were like thinking about uh, different songs uh, to do as well and we were making little hand puppets out of uh, like little brown paper bags and um, there was the kids they were ranging none of them had English as their first language I think there was maybe about three or four different uh, first languages and uh, they just, they were aged maybe from about three, three and a half years old through till about eight years old. And uh, they came and they said, like in the free playtime, we want to put on a puppet show of the story of Jonah. And so they put on like the story of Jonah and just to see the delight and those faces when they put on the story of Jonah and the puppets and they, they put up their little puppet theatre in the play area in our centre. Just a wonderful insight of just how much they were even taking in uh, from this wonderful lesson of Jonah. Another story comes to mind when there was a couple of short-term workers had made a boat out of like corrugated like plastic and they had joined it together and it linked in really well and and I had got like sort of a badminton net and put it over like as, as if it was like a, a fishing net and we put it together and got uh, like a, a blue rug to make it look as if it was like the sea and everything and uh, there was these little pre-kindergarten uh, kids and uh, there was maybe about six or seven of them and a few of the mums uh, came in because some of them just weren't really sure about staying on their own uh, at that time and we were doing the story about Jesus in the boat and how the storm came up and Jesus just put his hand out and said peace be still and watching the little faces of these little pre-kindergarten kids like three and a half years old and just seeing their little 
faces with their mouths wide open, looking at the pictures in the book, the Bible story book, that it just made me think it is worth it all. No matter what, it is worth it all, telling the good news of Jesus to these kids and seeing them drink it in. Another story, this one, was more thinking about prayer and how important it is. Again, I mentioned about change and transition is evident in our TCK's lives. This happened a couple of years ago. There was a lot of change and trans transition that was happening within our area. And there was a number of families that were moving and uh, they happened to be in our city. And we had to do like what we would say was like an impromptu TCK program uh, while parents were having debrief sessions. And uh, we uh, had really, I feel, very, very special times uh, with small groups of uh, TCKs at that time, age-appropriate discussion sessions, little prayer times uh, with those kids at that time and journeying with them and having space to be able to do crafts, uh, to be able to talk, to be able to read the Bible together. To pray together and out of that time um, there was one of the TCKs had uh, felt led uh, to write um, little invitations to the other TCKs uh, to invite them to a prayer time, a special prayer time uh, one Sunday afternoon um, and to be able to share together and to pray together, uh, to read Bible stories together and just to be together, no adults allowed. Uh, I didn't even get an invite to it. And uh, what a special, special moment uh, for that small group of TCKs to come and just be, just to be themselves and be there with their Heavenly Father who knows them best and do you know how he knows them best? Because he understands what it means to be a TCK's. Because Jesus, he was a TCK when he left heaven and he came to this earth. And then when he was a little tiny boy, he left the place where he was with his earthly parents and moved to another place and then moved back to the other place. So there was change, there was transition and how indeed he understands TCKs. God is faithful. God is faithful to those TCKs that endured so much change, so much transition over those few years ago. They still embark on a lot of change and transition. So do many cross-cultural workers. There are so many hellos, so many goodbyes, even as adults. But yet we know that God, 
He is a God who never changes. He cares about us, he loves us, and he wants the very best for his children. I wonder, as you think about those stories, wonder will you engage with this people group, TCKs, third culture kids, and their families, those that want to reach the unreached, those that are reaching the ends of the earth for the sake of the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus. Will you pray for me and the work of TCKs? Will you pray with me for our TCKs? Thank you so much again for this opportunity to be able to share you share with you something of what it's like serving TCKs here in East Asia. Thank you so much. I absolutely love the week of Bangor Worldwide as we gather together in the mornings to pray together, then the incredible Bible teaching and in the evening as we hear from people, from missionaries right around our world of what God is doing. We're already beginning to pray through and think through and plan for 21 and 22. And you know, it's incredible that this ministry has been going now for, this is the 84th year, but it just doesn't happen. It costs money. And it, for that week, it costs approximately 30,000 pounds to run. And so in thinking through, how do we continue this ministry? How do we realize this vision that started all those years ago? And how do we engage people in mission and keep that profile there? And we would love to invite you to prayerfully consider joining with us to committing to be a friend of Bangor Worldwide. If you would like to commit to giving perhaps five, maybe 10 pounds per month to enable us to continue this ministry. But in any commitment, any friendship, there are always two sides and we are going to be committed to you as well. We will send out to you a monthly prayer update of what is happening with the missionaries that we are supporting, enable you to pre-book for special events and our opening nights and pre-book seats. And as a bonus, if you sign up before the 31st of August, we will give you a free copy of this book by Gary Miller, Need to Know. Our heart is to channel money out to the missionaries, to serve these people that are coming, that are speaking, these partners that we have all over the world. Because while we all cannot go, we can give, we can pray. So as we step out in faith and as we plan the next few years, we would love you to join us because we believe as we do take that step and we believe that God will provide through his people, we would ask you to join us in praying that he will and this will continue so as we can pass this baton on to the next generation and the next, that someone is standing here in Ward Park in Bangor in another 85 years talking about what God has done through this ministry. Good afternoon everyone and it's lovely to be at Bangor Worldwide, the ladies afternoon. Now I know this isn't normally how we would like to meet and we'd absolutely love to be in Hamilton Road Baptist Church again, sitting, having chats together, worshipping God together, meeting our guests. 
but obviously this is not the way we would want it to be, but it has to be for this year. But isn't it amazing that we can connect to people all over the world through the internet? And it's wonderful to be here this afternoon and be able to do this with Nicola in Burundi. And I should have said my name's Lorraine and I'm one of the members of the Committee of Finder Worldwide. And I've been given this job of connecting with Nicola and I know her, so it's an absolute joy to be there, or well, not be there with her, but in my living room to talk to her. And uh, so Nicola, it's wonderful. And if people last night plugged in, you would have heard Nicola and Ezekiel talk about life in Burundi, their ministry there, and how God is using them in incredible ways. And if you haven't already done that, I'd really encourage you to go on to the webpage and connect. You can see it and catch up on it there. But Nicola, welcome to Bangor Worldwide. I know that in an ideal world, you would absolutely love to have been with us. But anyway, we'll have to make do with the internet. So it's great to have you. And as I said, welcome. And I know that the ladies are going to enjoy what you have to say. So can I ask you one more question? What is your weather yeah, like yeah. there today? Oh. <laughs> Well, um, hi Lorraine, it's so nice to be with you and yes, I'd love to be drinking a cup of tea and having a wee tray bake, but um, here we are and this is just the way it is at the moment. Uh, the weather is beautiful, it's our dry season, so it kind of gets to between 38 and 40. Um, so the mornings are pleasant, the afternoons are not so much, so um, yeah, it's... It's nice, nice and sunny. Oh, making us jealous. Here, it's sunny today too. And I think we should get up to a high of 17. So we're all excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> Slightly different, but anyway, anyway, yeah. it's good for us. Yeah. So Nicola, one of the aims or the main aim of Finger Worldwide is obviously to ask people to encourage people to pray, to give and to go to mission. And can I ask you a little question? How did your journey in mission begin? All those, I don't know how many years ago, but a few years ago. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. I'm going through quite a time of reflection at the moment because it's actually 10 years this year since I left my job and, and went. So um, it's actually, it's great to be able to, to talk and share the story. Um, and just reflect and be very thankful on what God's done over the last 10 years. So I was part of a, a quite a big young adult church in England and they had a real uh, vision and um, mission to do an awful lot of outreach. And so as soon as joining that church, I was immediately connected to a cell group that focused on where you did your mission so for me it was my workplace um and and they equipped us really well and um put a lot of time and investment into helping us um work out what mission looked like in our context and so i started in the workplace um sharing my faith and um then i actually moved to an inner city area <laughs> where I was living with some other people and we focused on that area. We were all working, but we had a heart to really serve that community as well. And so, yeah, from very early on um, in my faith, I 
I always enjoyed doing mission and outreach and it was quite a challenge to learn how to do that um, in the UK and not just leave and go to the mission field. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> it started like that. And then, like I say, 10 years ago, I, I had been praying for a long time that I wanted to come to Africa. Um, being in the church that I was in as well, we were really blessed with a lot of um, missionaries come and speak. And it was a church that was very equipped to go and many people left um, to go to the mission field. And I think that um, the word missionary isn't always that helpful. Um, that's, another, that's another talk. <laughs> but um, I think that everybody's called to mission. And I think that the Bible makes it clear that we all um, are called to mission. But I think cross-cultural mission can be a specific calling. And that's what I had felt um all my life so you know i had really been asking and praying god send me send me send me but you know it's in his timing and his timing was perfect 10 years ago it was scary um but he has been incredibly faithful to me um so yeah so i set off for south africa 10 years ago and of course it looked completely different than what i expected it to and then ended up in Burundi two years after that and I have been here for eight years. Wow, wow, yeah. okay. So can you tell us, I have a few questions written down here, so excuse me yeah. jotting, uh, looking at them, but uh, what does life look like for you on a, I was nearly going to say a normal day, there probably isn't a normal day, so on a daily <laughs> basis, what does life look like? Yeah, well, I think I'm going to talk about pre-COVID because um, like everywhere in the world, life doesn't look like um, the same at the moment. But prior to um, that, our day starts really early. Um, the children leave for school at quarter past seven. And you have and two kids. Two yes, kids. I have Daniel, who's four, and Kira. No, Daniel, who's five, and Kira, who's four. Um, and so they both go to school. Um, it's very close, which is great. And they they start school at twenty past seven. So the day for everybody in Burundi and probably most of Africa begins very early. Um, and we set off. We drop them at school, and then we head over to our office. Um, which is located on the other side of the city. Um, and that's probably where we pray the most. When we pray the most is when we get in a car because it is so anybody that's been to Africa or I'm sure many other countries knows that it's uh, taking your life in your hands driving here. So um, we, we go through the traffic and reach the other side. And yeah, I do a mixture of things there. So um, we have staff meetings, we have devotions, um, but a lot of life here is, is managing with chaos and crisis. People are constantly in crisis, whether that's children extremely sick or their parents extremely sick or something happened overnight in the community that is making it a, a big issue or yeah it's so a lot of a lot of it can be crisis management mm -hmm. um 
I think that the most life-giving thing for that I enjoy about well, my work is visiting the community and sitting in their huts and talking to them and just encouraging and praying with people. Um, I use a translator. Um, I do have some Kirindi and I can hear a lot more than I can speak, but um, I've actually got so used to using a translator now that I don't even notice that it's the person is there really. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I have that connection with people that um, we can understand each other and and they've got used to a translator being there. So yeah, so and then I go and I pick the kids up um, and I come home and um, switch to mum role and um, yeah, I, I try to not answer emails and calls and um, work all afternoon. I really try to focus on the children. Um, but I think one of the, one of the, um, uh, looking for the word, sorry. One of the um, challenges of, of being supported by people is that you can sometimes feel like you should be working constantly because mm -hmm. people are using their hard-earned money to support you and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so I feel this tension that I should be working all the time. Um, but I want to give the children my time too. So um, we can't, Ezekiel takes a lot more of the calls than I do. Like he gets an awful lot of calls about all the crisis and situations. So that's good because he can, he can deal with those. So okay. yeah. And so for the, the benefit of people, sorry, for the benefit of people that maybe didn't hear you tomorrow night, can you give us a little overview of the ministry and, and the work that it's involved in? You've mentioned visiting families, sitting, which is wonderful. And what other areas of ministry do you undertake? Okay, so we work within a community that is all three tribes that are in Burundi. So it's a very unusual community in that um, all three tribes are living there um, but we predominantly work with the Batwa tribe which are the least are seen as the least in Burundi um, and all of the parents that we work with have never been educated um, the children we are we are supporting the children to go to local schools and then they come to us for tuition so children in Burundi either go to school in the mornings or the afternoons so when they're not at school, they're with us, catching up on the years that they've missed with our teacher. Um, and he actually goes to visit all the schools that those children are in because they can be um, really targeted and treated badly. And so having the accountability of a teacher visiting them um, every week is really good. Mm -hmm. We feed them, so we give them a cup of porridge because that could be the only meal they get. Um, we provide health care for them at a, a local clinic. We are partnering with and they treat them when they're sick and then we pay for it as part of their child sponsorship and um, we also run a preschool in the mornings um, for children under seven because children going to government schools cannot start school until they're seven and so by that time they're very street savvy and this community that we're working with is, is actually based on a rubbish dump. And so if they're not in school, they're scavenging on that dump for food or some kind of things to sell. 
So it's a great way of introducing them into the school rhythm and getting them used to um, education from a younger age. Um, we also do a lot of family uh, workshops and training. So they have asked us to do courses on marriage, on um, Bible studies, on um, being family. So whatever they ask us for, we try and do. Um, we work with the community leaders uh, constantly to find out the needs of the community rather than trying to guess what the community need. Yeah. Um, and then we do events if we can at Christmas and Easter and summer. Um, and we also do uh, discipleship, so discipleship groups with women and men and some of the younger kids on a Saturday morning at Kids Club. So, right. wow, it's busy. Yeah. <laughs> it so, can I ask you, what is your favorite thing about living in Africa apart from the weather? My weather yeah, apart amazing. from the sunshine. I don't know that I could live in the UK again after all this vitamin D. It's vitamin D, isn't it? Is I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Might need to edit that, Lorraine. <laughs> um, yes, the sun is definitely a big perk. Um, I think my favourite thing about living here is the simplicity. Um, there is something very simple about life here. And of course, as I've got married and had children, you know, that the, the simplicity thing with the children is so nice. Like, I'm so thankful that my kids will, will get a childhood. They're not forced into a lot of the pressures that a lot of parents have in the West. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, there's always another side to the coin. You must miss yeah. something about Ireland. <laughs> oh, Ireland. I do. You know what I miss? You know, one of the first things I do is put my feet through carpet. I love the feeling of carpet on my feet. <laughs> That's very really strange, but, um, and seeing sprees. Um, but yeah, I think the thing I miss the most is family. Yeah. Um, you know, and for the children that you don't want to see us at the airport when we say goodbye. It's not pretty. <laughs> So, yeah, just as the kids grow up and they see both lives as well, yeah. they see both countries, and but they really miss their grandparents and their aunties and their uncles. So that's hard. Yeah. And I think that will always remain hard, but we just have to get used to that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, rem I remember someone, one time I was out with Tear Fund in Africa, and I remember asking the question, you know, there's such need, and sometimes you can be totally overwhelmed by it. And I remember asking the question, how do you decide who to help? And they said, it's actually reversed the question. The question should be, how do you decide who not to help because of limited resources? And I remember that always stuck with me. And, you know, when I look at your life and Ezekiel's life and the kids and the giving and the kids as well and how God is using you there, which is incredible, but also your family that have needs yourself, you know, your physical needs, your spiritual needs. How do you balance that? You know, here with so many resources available, we can go to the local, local Christian bookshop and pick up the latest books for kids, for adults, whatever. We have so many resources, but there you're very limited. So how spiritually as a family do you manage and care for each other in the midst of such need and being overwhelmed by everything? 
Yeah, thank you for that question. That's a great, that's a great response from whoever it was that said that to you. And it reminds me actually, I, I was walking around the community one day and I, I felt very heavy hearted about what I was seeing and are we doing anything? Are, are we reaching anybody? Is what we're doing working at all, God? And God just said to me, you know, actually, like, they could all be dead. It's a miracle that any one of them were alive if you look at how, what they live in. So, you know, I, yeah, and I think working with community leaders is, is our biggest um, advantage because then we're not the ones to make the decision, actually, um, they are. So, but yes, going to your question about um, looking after ourselves spiritually. Um, it's it's something that we continually process and I don't think that we are um we can't say one thing is is working and one thing is not I think for Ezekiel obviously it's very different he can worship in his own language um but even going to church is you know we're constantly asked for help or um individuals come up and ask Ezekiel so um I think I think, yeah, churches and churches, churches are a great place, but I don't feel spiritually nourished when I go to church. Um, it's been interesting through the the COVID um, situation that so much has been online, which has been a great resource to 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 check into that and um, when the internet and electricity is working. Um, I think we when you said about going into the Christian bookshop like that's one of my favorite places to go when I come home and I could be in there for hours um and so you know when we're home we try and we try and get resources that will last us but then of course things evolve and the kids get older and you need different things and so we love when visitors come and they can bring stuff um you know the inter internet is a phenomenal resource so we can get stuff from there um i try to connect with my friends and um other missionaries um just to help talk through and debrief what's going on um i think that that requires a lot of organization and energy sometimes so i'm not always good at doing it i think my biggest my biggest support here is there is a women's bible study every wednesday morning and that is only for expats um so we don't have any local people in it because we all need a place yeah. where we can be free to talk yeah. and share and so yeah that that is a, my lifeline i it's i look forward to it and it's it's such a great encouragement um so Right, right. Yeah, but I think that anybody out there that's watching this that has great ideas or has done different things with their families, like please get in touch because we we really always open to hearing what other people are doing. And yeah, thank you. Really appreciate your openness and um, and talking to us, and it's been wonderful. And as you said, you know the internet being online through COVID has its positive sides because much more people are able to connect with us and we're hoping that that through Bangor Worldwide as well that we'll be able to reach other people and and tell people about what's going on as a result 
people engage, people engaged in praying and giving and maybe going as you as you have gone as well, Nicola. And the, the last thing is, you know, we don't want to let you go without asking, how can people, because when we hear situations like this, we can't all go. And we know that. Yeah. People want to be involved. So is there a way that people can support your ministry? Um, and the second thing is, how can we pray for you? And we'll pray for you before you go. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, we would love to grow our network of, um, of people who support us through prayer um, and giving if they can. Um, so I think that there can be something that comes up at the end with my email address. And when I first came out um, to Africa, I joined a um, mission organization called iTeams, which is currently becoming one collective. So they're amalgamating with an, um, one collective in America. Um, and so we have a, a page on their website that explains our work. Um, if anybody feels called to partner with us in, the, in God's kingdom work that we're doing here, then they can click on there for um, support the leaders, which is Ezekiel and I and the kids. Um, there's a child sponsorship option or there's a community transformation option. So there's three different options to give on the website. So hopefully the link will go somewhere. <laughs> okay. And how, how could we pray for you today? Um, um, I think that we, uh, we, need, we need a lot of wisdom in our work. It can be very easy to um, try and fix everything and respond. Um, and I think that we need to continually learn how to, how to balance ministry and family. And I know that that's an issue for so many people, whether they're doing mission work or not. Um, but it's something that we always want to be aware of, um, you know, not, not ignoring our kids and, and focusing on kingdom work all the time. Um, and yeah, I think that it's been a particularly challenging few months as it has been for so many people in the world. But if someone had told me that my kids would be at home for four and a half months, <laughs> it's so good that we don't always know the future. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think grace, grace and wisdom. Okay, let me pray for you before you go. Thank you. Okay. So Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for simple things like the electricity staying on for us uh, during this uh, chat that we've had. We thank you for Nicola and Ezekiel. And Lord, we thank you that all those years ago that Nicola responded to your call to go. So Father, we pray for Nicola, we pray for Ezekiel, we pray for Daniel and Kira. And we thank you for this family. We thank you for how you're using them. But Lord, we know that um, it, is, it isn't always easy, but yet you're in control, you're sovereign, and you're working out your purpose and your plans for their lives and for the people that they serve. Father, we pray as a team, as they meet together, that you will give them that wisdom, that you will give them the energy that they need to cope. And Father, that you will help them to work out that balancing act between looking after family and looking after ministry. 
And Lord, we thank you for what you've already done. We thank you for the lives that have been changed. We thank you for the kids that have been rescued from those garbage tips and are now at school and are now living lives that are very different. So Lord, we pray that the finances will be there to manage um, the work that the needs that are there. We pray, Lord, for the church. We thank you for this little Bible study group. And Lord, we pray that you will bless this family and all that they're doing. Lord, speak to us and show us what you want us to do in response to what we have heard this morning or this afternoon. So Lord, we pray again that you will bless them and we thank you for this family and what they're, how you're using them and what you're doing through them. Lord, again, we give them to you. We love Jesus and we thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you're doing in each of our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a joy. So have a wonderful day and enjoy the sunshine. You. <laughs> and you. <laughs> okay. You take care. We'll talk soon. Okay. God bless. God bless. Bye. Even after we have released the church to continue to do the work on their own, these communities are never the same again. The difference that the church makes with the gospel and addressing the needs of the poor gives a 100% success rate in the areas where we have been. And that for us is lasting transformation. Maybe God is calling you or your own church to join us in this kingdom work. Is he calling you to sign up to make a monthly gift to this ministry? Or maybe he would like you to support this work as a strategic prayer partner. If he is calling you, we want to help you respond according to his will. Your commitment will allow us to respond. We look forward to transforming together. May God bless you and give you life in abundance. to share with you at this conference and what an honor it is for, for us to connect uh, virtually. I was really looking forward to us being together, um, but this is what the Lord has provided and I am thankful. Uh, my name is Florence Moindi and I serve with a ministry that's known as Life in Abundance International and Life in Abundance works with the poor and the vulnerable. Uh, in the areas of uh, church-based development. And we are serving in 12 countries in Africa and uh, two countries in the Caribbean. Uh, we've got support offices in the US, in Switzerland, and in the UK. And I am so thankful that we are connected in this way. Um, I got to know Christ as Lord and Savior when I was uh, in my earlier formative years. I was actually in standard three um, when I was invited to the corner of a, a school field by a friend of mine. Uh, she shared the gospel with me in a way that I could understand. And in a way that I understood, I needed to make a, a response to become a child of God. 
And um, the amazing thing is soon after I made that commitment to, to follow Christ as Lord and Savior, um, he began to open my eyes to the needs of the poor and the vulnerable who were living in our community and especially identifying with them because I myself had experienced uh, the impact of, of poverty. I went on to, to high school and um, that dream of wanting to make an impact in, in the areas of people who are vulnerable uh, continued to be at the center of my life, uh, a compassion that I could just not easily put aside. And um, it was in the final years of my high school when my father suddenly passed away in a road traffic accident that I began to, to seek the Lord in the meaning of life. Um, I, as I went through that time of grief, I was asking God, what, what was I really created for? Uh, what is it that you have put me on planet Earth to achieve um, before my days are over. I had seen my, my dad's days and I was thinking mine, mine will also come. And I was uh, seeking the Lord that he may, he may let me know what he created me for. Um, especially holding on to Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I, I have good plans for you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And then in Romans, he tells us, I know the plans that I have for you. They are pleasing and perfect. Uh, so I was seeking the Lord and saying, it is in your will that I may know your purpose, uh, that I may accomplish it, that I may be pleased and that this may be to your glory. And I am thankful that at that age, I was about 20, uh, the Lord made it clear to me that he has called me to serve the poor and the vulnerable as a medical missionary. And so I went on to pursue medicine. Um, and after I graduated as a medical doctor, um, I, I got to meet my husband, uh, Festus. We, we got two, two children. And together we committed that we would serve the Lord with our lives as a family, um, uh, focusing on our attention to the poor and the vulnerable uh, in areas that they, they are affected. I think for me, what really broke my heart and uh, eventually led to the area where we would start in ministry was seeing the impact of a drought in Ethiopia in 1984. Um, it was all over the media of uh, uh, children and women in destitute uh, conditions uh, going through a time of famine. And uh, at that point, uh, although I knew I was called to serve the poor and the vulnerable in areas of medical need, um, I hadn't really narrowed that to a geographical area. Uh, but seeing what was happening in Ethiopia, which is our neighboring country, um, narrowed to me that this, this is where the Lord would want me to go. So after Festus and I and the children felt it was time for us to go cross-cultural, um, we initially started working with the Maasai tribe in Kenya. Uh, we served them for two years, more like a short-term assignment. And after we were convinced that this is going to be what we do for the rest of our lives, 
um, we relocated and went to Ethiopia as cross-cultural missionaries. Um, it's, it's been 25 years uh, on this journey and it's amazing what we have seen the Lord do. Um, we went and settled in Ethiopia, initially serving with a leprosy-affected community in Addis Ababa. And uh, we were working through the local church there, empowering her to be able to respond to the needs of those that are affected. And I was coming alongside that as a facilitator, as an equipper, as one who helps the church know their mandate and be able to come alongside what I was doing as a medical doctor to be taught and giving them that knowledge um, to respond to the needs of the people affected by leprosy. But we quickly realized it's not just the medical need, um, but those that are in medical need among the poor um, have all these other needs in economic empowerment, in education, uh, they, they are orphans and vulnerable children, but there are also areas where they need to be equipped to be economically able uh, to live lives that are sustainable, uh, giving them back their dignity and enabling them as a community to arise out of poverty in, in what we were calling transformational development um, in that area. We were able to serve in that community in Ethiopia for the initial three years, and we, we saw the results of a restoration, uh, almost Isaiah 61 coming to life. Uh, people getting to know Christ, but also their shame and their brokenness um, being taken care of, that they can become the righteousness of God. And uh, several other communities uh, started seeing what was happening in this community and inviting us uh, to be part of, of their efforts in the communities where they were located. So within a short time, uh, the work spread in different communities in Ethiopia, and um, it led to the registration of Life in Abundance International in that country. Uh, shortly thereafter, we were invited in neighboring countries um, in Djibouti, which borders Ethiopia, and then to the north in Sudan. And then later also, we started the work in Kenya. And uh, by the time it was 10 years later, we were in, in several countries in Africa. And uh, today, we are serving uh, among 56 communities. Um, in in 12 countries in Africa and in two countries in the Caribbean. In the Caribbean, we're working in Haiti and in Jamaica. And uh, what has really been a blessing uh, is for me to see at the end of every three years, us being able to move out of a community and look over our shoulder and see the church has been empowered and has woken up to their mandate. And they've taken a responsibility and an ownership uh, to serve the community in that, that area. Um, we enter a community with the exit in mind uh, that we make efforts that by the time it's the third year, 
we will have equipped this community, mobilized and organized and given them the training that they need uh, so that they can be owners of the ministry that we are coming in with. And um, every three years as we roll on to another community and another community, uh, we've seen um, enlightenment. We've seen uh, the glory of the Lord coming in these areas and we've seen the light of the gospel um, the holistic gospel where it's both proclamation and transformation uh, coming together. Uh, I would say one of the things that I really, really appreciate about the model of transformation that we work with is, is that we work around the local church, uh, that the local church is the agent of transformation. It's the salt of the, salt of the earth, the light of the world, and it's it's making her arise and um, making her be equipped uh, to be that agent of transformation that preaches the good news uh, to the poor. Um, this has transformed me. Uh, this has transformed my family. I think for me, it goes back to to that time in 1981 uh, when I totally surrendered my life. Um, I invited God to, to own me, to completely own me so that I may be used of him wherever and however uh, for his glory, giving him all that I am and all that I will ever be and uh, entering a covenant with him that should I begin to change my mind and become strong-willed and begin to go to go my own way. I'm asking you, Lord, to, to own me. And if I refuse to be corrected by you, if I refuse to be put on track in this pleasing and perfect will of yours, um, then I, I give you permission. I invite you to invite me home. I would rather be with you in, in glory than to be in this world to, to serve myself or to serve another um, I think that completely uh, dethroned me and enthroned Christ. And uh, with him on the throne, um, he has led uh, so faithfully. One of the songs that we continually sing as a family along the way is that great is the Lord's faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, my Father. That's that's a hymn we always sing. We always um, bring to the table and say, yes, again, the Lord is faithful. What has been so exciting for me to see is um, to hear the Lord instruct and two, three years later, uh, to look back and, and see he has fulfilled what he instructed. To hear the Lord give a prophetic word that this is what I intend to do. And to look back after it's been fulfilled and see the Lord has fulfilled its, its in its totality. Um, the Lord is so faithful. He watches over his word uh, to fulfill. Um I encourage you that uh, if, if you are on this journey, uh, this mission or journey, and the Lord has called you, he will be faithful. Uh, he is a God who can be trusted to the, to the last detail. 
and he will fulfill what he has said. Uh, if you have hesitated in any way to trust him with all of, all of you and all you have, uh, I want to tell you I have seen him. Over these last 25 years when we have served in the front lines, in places where there is, there is hostility, in countries that are difficult um, and in ways that may be um, challenging with scarcity or illnesses or losses. Um, I want you to, to, to just know uh, he is a God who can be trusted. Uh, he's a friend who sticks very close and he's a father who watches over those that, that lean on him. Um, I would say life in abundance uh, testifies of the faithfulness of God, that out of, out of nothing uh, but faith, substance has come forth. And we have seen thousands and thousands across these countries uh, being restored out of obedience to what the Lord has invited us to do. Um, may this conference be... Uh, stirring to you uh, to even arise to the next level as the needs of the world are made known to you, especially during this time of the pandemic. Um, may, may this conference remind you that the Lord has a good plan for you uh, to give you a future and to give you a hope. May God bless you and may God enrich you during this time of sharing. Blessings.
We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.